2: the evil sorcerer wizard powers the engine of science, seeking to forever alter the sacred balance, traveling on effervescent balls of summer fire.
0: This week, what dreams may come! Year nineteen
1: ninety eight, Robin Williams died.
0: Yeah, for the uh, well, okay, let's get. He's done a lot of films. It
1: probably wasn't the first time. Yeah,
0: as I'll say, it probably wasn't the first time. I think he made it through Toys. You mentioned Toys, right? Yeah. I don't know that though because I haven't watched Toys yet. So (laughs) (laughs) this one is What Dreams May Come. Yeah. Oh, it was
1: actually released very close to the date. It was released in October. Oh, okay. if that's relevant to anyone yes Uh, yes (laughs) i did see this film really early
0: so that's a weird one anyway i'm luke this is matt welcome to the sci-fi sanctuary we got it backwards a little bit today so when i i'll I'll get into a little bit like when i first saw this movie when i saw it later Mm. but first off um you know when i first saw it i was what was i 19 and you know coming at it from the very judeo-christian perspective Mm. right so later i could see it having knowing more about buddhism and eastern things and so forth so we, we brought in buddhist author von galt to kind of give us some perspective on that thanks for joining us again
3: hi guys i love being a buddhist correspondent on these movies this <laughs> is <laughs> my favorite it's a nice break it's a nice break
0: yeah <laughs> but um yeah i did see this this is back opening night and i kind of didn't realize this till i got to the end of the movie but this is when you would go to be like hey this actor has a new film let's go see it because mm. that's like there, i remember there being a hook and i was like oh i don't know who the director is you looked at the filmography and he's done like almost nothing right yeah so it was like hey we're all gonna go see the new robin williams film this is like what i don't know follows goodwill hunting precedes it somewhere around then right and um i saw it opening night and i hated it i I think i actually might have referred to this as like my least favorite movie for some time Um. (laughs) Uh, i saw it
1: even younger than you because i think we got it out from the video store shortly after it came out so maybe i was a little older maybe like 10 or something (laughs)
2: um
1: and again looked at it from the very christian perspective of heaven hell uh, that sort of thing um i remember the imagery like was really like Lodged itself in my brain. Oh, that was a big all the hell stuff, all the paint stuff. So that stuff stuck with me. But I found the film boring as hell (laughs) because
3: I was yeah (laughs) yeah I was I was a senior in high school when I watched it in a theater, and um I just remembered the uh, just the the imagery. I just really liked the imagery and the colors, just the vibrant blue throughout the movie. Um, that's really the what what I enjoyed about it in terms of the storyline i totally get the storyline um, completely from a buddhist perspective but it for me it wasn't really blowing my mind it was just most of the images were beautiful
0: mm. the i guess the, the thing for me is i felt the need to return to about 5 years ago when my wife went a little nutty for some time and i was like hey there's this metaphysical movie about that kind of thing and kind of like and then i was like okay now i'm really getting it then i knew more about like you know eastern um philosophy religions and so on and so forth right and at that point i was like okay now i totally get this movie i mean it's it's not a movie for i guess someone under the age of 25 maybe yeah i don't know is it the age for someone who's how, how 31 i don't de- oh, i definitely liked it more this time yeah <laughs>
1: um i mean it's not the sort of film i'm gonna watch over and over right because it's not made to be that kind of film no, it's but, a little heavy <laughs> um it was a it is a good film i guess yeah Is so. what i'm saying but yeah Very, very different reactions.
0: H ten and H thirty one,
1: as you'd imagine,
0: right. So for me, it's like I haven't seen a movie that's quite this varied from one viewing to the next, right. (laughs) I mean, uh, you know, usually if I see it, "Eh, it's a little better. This one, like this, now I like actually quite like this movie. So it's kind of weird to get that that perspective. Um, Did it, and when you saw it in high school, so that that's I guess I guess I'm a year older. It must have been my first year of university. The one thing I did like the imagery, of course, I was like, "Wow, all this awesome imagery in a film that at the time I didn't like, I'd been to Europe the year before and had been to like the Monet house, so that was kind of cool. Right? Mm. It was kind of like this had a different version of that, so
3: <laughs> yeah i really I really like i mean if you if you watch it and you're perceptive on the the imagery in the afterlife and and you pick up the you know, the scenes before the afterlife, you can really start tying in um, that it's just a replay of what the people were thinking of before the afterlife, and they just recreated in their afterlife. So I picked up kind of the early signals, uh, what was to come, and then, you know, instead of trying to think about the plot and the storyline, then I was like, oh, okay, I'll just enjoy it for the imagery. And if if, for me, that, going into the movie that perspective was really enjoyable so then i didn't really think about the plot very much because i knew the plot was just basically going to substantiate the living life in the afterlife
0: so i I feel like we're like trying to like buy time here till we just start talking about robin williams and things as we did last time so yeah the the
1: plot (laughs) in this film is not much of a plot but i'll run through it anyway (laughs) Chris Nilsson is a pediatrician who met a beautiful and talented artist, Annie Collins, while on a boat in Switzerland. They fell in love and had two beautiful children. The children died in a car accident, leading Annie to have a breakdown, which Christy helped her through. Then four years later, Christy himself dies in another car accident. Chris is helped into the afterlife by his old buddy, Dr. Albert Lewis, and a young lady, Leona. But it turns out Leona is his daughter. Then it turns out his wife has committed suicide. With the help of Albert and a kind of Charon figure, he goes to rescue her himself. It turns out Albert is actually his son. And it turns out Charon is actually Albert. And Chris drags his wife out of hell, not with a BFG and some metal music, but with the power of love. And they decide to be reborn and love each other all over again. (laughs)
0: steelworks bfg
1: no i was thinking the bfg from doom oh okay
2: <laughs> <laughs> the only
1: other thing i can think of was someone storms into hell so <laughs> right oh yes, yeah, yes, getting
0: back to doom uh doom doom with an m yeah it was kind of funny um we had to do a two for podcast today where we actually got up at six in the morning and did the evil dead which is like the polar opposite of this movie
3: (laughs) he went from one to the other (laughs) yeah so
0: if we're like and that scene with robin williams was like getting splattered with blood in a chainsaw you know we're like we're we're crossing our wheels a little bit if that happens yeah
3: (laughs) yeah you know the, the the thing the thing i picked up a lot of very um metaphysical aspects that i i can relate to in my buddhist understanding of the movie um but you know the concept of hell doesn't exist in buddhism
0: well it doesn't really exist in this movie right she's very clearly creating her Her own own
3: delusion yeah 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 because because the whole the movie leads up to annie going from her suicide going to hell and the and then when you go into it even more, you realize that she's not really in hell. She's just in her own created delusion of self-deprecation because she can't forgive herself for um, for losing her children during life.
0: I guess the thing is here they're like it's eternal, where I'm like, well, isn't the whole point? That, I mean, well, the movie does eventually make the point that nothing's eternal, but you know, it seems like the the uh, people that are yeah. hanging out in the spirit world would have a better perspective on that
1: well they're also they went to the spirit world as children it turns out so well
0: not uh, not um real albert
1: yeah i guess but then he does help him do it so maybe he did know it was possible
0: yeah yeah he helps him do it but yeah so but, maybe just to t- testing his resolve you know like how 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 god put the dinosaur boats the even
1: even in christianity like hell is not from the bible Oh, no, the no, Bible no. doesn't really go into what happens in the afterlife. So, the idea of... I've always... I've never accepted this idea of you're punished eternally for your mistakes in life. Because it's... They talk about, like, a forgiving God, but anyone can go down the path and do bad things. Like... <laughs> what's the point in punishing them for it? Like what's anyone getting out of that? What's an almighty being getting out of that, especially. (laughs) Um, So the, uh, the most recent thing I can think of that dealt with afterlife stuff was um, the good place. And that was Mm -hmm. just a whole deconstruction of the idea of hell. And eventually what you actually want is just a chance to improve until you're ready to go to heaven. Um, But any sort of media, which deals in life after death, um, and this is the same thing I always say about time travel media. You need to, uh, when you come away from the film, there needs to be some message that you can apply while you're still here on Earth. Um, If the message is just like, oh, well, it doesn't matter because you live afterwards. Like, none of us know that. So I need the film to do me something that I can use in my life. Um, Like recently we covered Cloud Atlas. And you can argue back and forth whether that's actually about reincarnation. But the point of that film is that the kindnesses and the cruelties that you enact in your life Will affect is the legacy you leave behind. So whether you believe in reincarnation or heaven or any kind of afterlife or not, that's something you can enact now while you're on Earth, which I think is what any film about the afterlife needs.
3: Right. What I got, yeah, yeah. What I got out of it, like, like, and I totally, I totally with you on that one. um, What I got out of it is, you know, in when you really fully understand. The concept of hell from a Buddhist metaphysical perspective. Um, travel is done in the speed of thought, in consciousness. Okay, so that's why even in the spirit world, they just they think something and they immediately go somewhere. Um, whereas in the elements of what we're living in our society in life, we have a measurement of time so we can see our progress of us making decisions so that we can look back or look forward and make, Oh, I see the steps in my decision-making. It's kind of an opportunity to make decisions or remake decisions and not have instant manifestation like you do in the movie where you travel at the speed of thought. And if you had a bad thought about something, you might not want to manifest that instantly. So, um, the, the, You know, being in the life perspective or the life reality gives you some time to kind of buffer and decide what you want to do so you can get there. But basically, hell, um, in short, and I really saw this in the movie hell is the absence of joy. It's the complete absence of joy. And that's why when I was watching a movie and they, you know, and he, um, Albert was prefacing uh, Chris about, you know, going to meet her um, and she, you're not going to help her and et cetera, et cetera, um, just give it up that. And he wouldn't give it up because he just kept on thinking that, you know, if he were to tell his wife all the joyful things and find something that she can pick up that's joyful in their experiences, in her, in their life that they shared together, that was going to be what was going to pick her up out of that self-created self-deprecating delusion of self-punishment forever but and he didn't really understand that completely that really hell is the absence of joy so if there's absolutely no joy she can't see recognize joy how is she ever going to see and recognize all the joy for things that he's trying to instill in her to be like remember this when we had this and remember this when we had that and she's like "Mm, i don't i don't recognize it so it never really triggered anything um because she's In my mind, when I watch it from a Buddhist perspective, she is, if you have no absence of joy, there's like no duality, there's no high, up, down, right, left, whatever. There's no mirror effect in reality. Um, And she's in her self-deprecating delusion of self-punishment. Then all she does is continue to go lower and lower and lower and lower into the negative aspects of self. And there's nothing to mirror back. So she can't recognize any of that. And the reason why she's going so far lower into the, the abyss of self-deprecation dep- and punishment um, and further away from the light, further away from joy, further away from anything um, that would mirror back where she's at um, is basically because there's a glimmer of love for her kids and for her husband. Um, and is because of that that love that she has for them, that she self punish herself. Because if she didn't have it, then she wouldn't keep herself in that death. But because she loved them and she felt that she was cause of their death, their premature deaths, um, she used that love for them to continue to push herself further into the abyss. So the only way... It makes sense for the only way for Chris to get, help his wife get out of this was to join her because um, in the abyss. And, then, and when she joined her, then she re- at that point, she realized, oh, you are my husband and I don't want you here with me. No, we don't want to be here. And that's when she finally caught a glimmer of some kind, something positive, something joyful that somebody would actually join her in her misery. So that's kind of that's the kind of how I saw it from the the whole get go. Hmm.
1: You could also you could separate that from the sort of metaphysical afterlife aspect, and you could just see it as like good advice for dealing with someone who has depression in the real world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If someone has depression, people who don't understand these kind of mental health, they're always like, "Oh, what have you got to be sad about? You should be happy." There are kids who are starving in Africa. It doesn't. When you're in a low in depression, nothing takes you out of it. So the thing right. you can do to help someone is just be there. Don't mm-hmm. judge them. Don't try and move them. If they want to spend all day in bed, just be supportive of that. And then when they do start to move out on their own, they'll remember that you were someone who was there for them. And they won't. Yeah. They'll feel that they can talk to you when they're ready to talk. Whereas if you're constantly judging or trying to help, then when they are ready to talk, they're not going to want to talk to you because they're going to think they're going to
0: get a lecture. Right. I guess that's where this movie does stick with me. Cause I actually had to do that lesson in like real time. There was a, there was actually a six month period where I could not have like a normal conversation with my wife. Cause she mm. was, you know, um, for a couple months, actually like having delusions, right? Like, you know, and that's where this movie 20 years later did come back and Hey, you might want to check this one out again. So, uh, you know, it's uh, like, if you need the lesson, you need it, but otherwise it's, it's a, it is a bit of a heavy one. Well, mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of people, and this is a big problem
1: in just society generally, mm-hmm. don't get that at all. Mm. Don't get right. Don't if you haven't felt depression or at least been educated on it, people don't get it. So when are you first watches the film and you're like, I don't get it. Why she why isn't she willing to just why don't you just get up and leave?
3: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Whereas that's not how it works and this film really gets
2: that.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I I, I mean, it's a great, it's a very entertaining and just coming magical and just very colorful film on basically mental health, Mm. all around mental health. And it really puts a really interesting creative aspect of understanding mental health, because if anybody's ever dealt with somebody who's suicidal or, um, you know, or de- depressive. And I can speak from, from my own pers- personal perspective, a couple years after watching this film, I was suicidal in college. I almost killed myself a couple times because my first marriage, my college sweetheart, it, it didn't work out, um, for various reasons. And I had put so much of my self into that marriage. Um, like many young women you put so much and young men you put so much of yourself your image your your livelihood everything about you is into this marriage and then if it doesn't work out there's nothing left and, and you just kind of feel heart, heartbroken but in short um, every single breath that i took felt like a knife going like a literal knife going through my heart every single breath And I didn't want to kill myself to punish anybody else or to hurt anybody else. I just wanted the pain every time I took a breath to stop. Mm. And I didn't think about anything else but to stop the pain. So suicide was, at the time how I could stop being in pain every single millisecond of the, the day. It's like having somebody stab you every single millisecond of the day or having a heart attack every single millisecond of the, of the day. It's a lot of pain when you get into that um, aspect. So not all suicides are about punishing other people or leaving this behind. It could be as so simple as I just don't want to live in pain anymore.
1: Well, I t- I'd say very few suicides are really about anyone else. It's always, right. it's just a that own person's problem and not enough media treats suicide victims as victims.
3: Yeah.
1: A lot of media concentrates on like, Oh, isn't this so hard on the family or so hard on people left behind? Whereas, you know, the victims are the people who, for whatever reason, because the support wasn't there for them have felt like the only escape is to take their own life
3: right right i i know for myself like what got me through it was um one um i have a deep belief it's going to kind of sound catchy but when you're thinking about killing yourself you either have a belief in god or you don't Mm. okay it's as simple as that and i do i do and still do have a deep belief and connection with god um As a Buddhist, metaphysical Buddhist. And I thought also if I had left to reduce my suffering of the pain that I was feeling, I would leave a huge hole in my family and friends network. Um, that would basically there's no offense my, fam- my family at the time was a little bit of a wreck, and I pretty much the, was the fixer <laughs> I would fix everything and i would I would bend amend things and all that kind of stuff, so I, it would it would really leave a lot of people's lives in shambles, and so it, the choice was live in pain and prevent others from from being in suffering or just end the pain for myself and allow others to learn how to figure it out themselves. So it is a tough decision to make, but I chose to um, live in the pain and work through it. It took about five years to finally work through the depression. Um, But, you know, people can do it and just kind of like the movie, Annie, she went on for a while trying to figure out how to live with it. Um, But the thing that I noticed with Annie is that she wasn't very, she was painting and getting further and further into her thoughts, into and, and it wasn't really helping her. It was just getting her further into like um the blame, self-blame. But when somebody for myself, I'll speak for myself, when you're going through that depression and suicide. What helps is actually, just like what you said, having friends and family just show up and say hi, take you out to lunch. Even if you're bummed out, take you out to lunch, give you a call um, and just, you know, shoot the crowd about just stupid things just to make you laugh. Watch funny movies, just different things just to be with you and just change up the just change up the the temperature. And um, it'll take time. It took five years, but um, I went out to the girl dates, um, the girl get-togethers and did the stupid dances and had the luncheons and try to fake a smile and all that but um over time it kept it going so i had something else to look for besides my depression and over time you just um slowly time does heal and then you slowly feel like okay we'll make it do this a little bit more and that a little bit more um and that's a literally, literally, it's not going to be like snap your fingers and you're done overnight. Just get out of it.
0: Yeah, I can't claim having like actual depression at any point. But, you know, I, I, when I was bummed out, breaking up with a college lady and stuff, I, I wasn't married or anything. But, uh, yeah, I just started globetrotting. And I guess I woke up in Japan eventually. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: You stayed there.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> well, I, for me, it was just being stuck in like a supermarket job in a small UK town. And, yeah, the solution was just to change the scenery. And,
3: Change the scenery.
1: Yeah, that's basically people, it. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people, I guess, feel like they can't change the scenery for whatever reason, though. Well, if I, it took me a long time to realize because it meant, you know, giving up my apartment and moving in with my parents for nine months, which felt like failing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But once I accepted, no, that's just a stepping stone to something else, then everything was so much easier.
3: <laughs> oh my god, it is, and and I want to say I want to say this as well because I know when I was going through my suicide. It's even though you basically a ghost walking around with an basically em- empty shell around the house, um, not living alone is really good, mm-hmm. because because I mean when when I when I got my divorce and you know I ended up moving in with my my mom for a couple of years, and I was depressed and I would cry to myself at night etc. But the dog and the cat would come sit with me, and we just sit there and watch movies. Or I would sit with my brother, um, my handicapped brother, um, or I would just kind of cook. You know, I I never had to deal. I never had to cook. I didn't cook for two years. My mother cooked everything. Um, So I would just show up and there would be food. And because I was too depressed to even want to cook, cooking was too much of a fun activity that I just didn't really have the energy to want to partake in, you know. So I didn't cook for, and I was a girl a great chef in college. Um, But I didn't cook for two years. I didn't cook one thing for two years, but it was really nice to always have food. My mother was always there making food. There was always clean stuff. You know, there was always life around me. So I could be walking around like a ghost, but I could still witness life. So it reminded me there's something more than what you're going through too. Eventually you slowly walk your way back into the light.
0: Yeah, some of those movie shows. Uh, I guess they showed the institution as being a questionable choice. It wasn't necessarily that institutions
1: inherently are bad. It's just this wasn't helping her. And like, yeah, I don't, I don't think you could make a film about mental health and say, yeah, but the system is fine. Like, right. that's
0: not a good. Well, yeah, was, I'm saying my family, That's swear it did help out people around yeah. to have like a generational house. So mm. when my wife was having problems, she didn't need to go anywhere. She stayed home or, you know, we kind of sort of live with her parents. I mean, we do, but they go up to the farm and back and forth. But, you know, sisters right down the street. So there was enough of a support system. We didn't need that. Mm. <laughs>
3: do you think that's a cultural thing because i noticed in the movie and i mean because she she went to the, the the institution and she was pretty much just left alone for the most part to just c- continue in her despair except for when her husband visited her and then at home when when basically there's nobody no life around her she's living up by herself she's continuing to go follow deeper into despair is that like a western eastern kind of thing yeah, because it's definitely
1: much more of a cultural thing here to um to stay close family stay together um Kids will get married and still live with their parents for quite a long time. Uh, I remember actually I was dating a girl from the Philippines and her mum said, oh, you don't want to date a Western guy. I bet he left home when he was really young because his parents drive him out of the house. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Definitely more Because, yeah, I remember like it was definitely it was like growing up in the UK, it was when you get to 18, you want to be out of the house as soon as you can. You want to have your own place, your own freedom, your own independence. Like everything is about like I want to be able to just do what I want all the time. Whereas it's much more of you're part of the unit and much more of a society. That's, a, that's
3: what it's like in the United States. That's what it's like in the United States for a lot of people too. Is once you're 18, you're out of high school, you're out of, out of it. Yeah. Unless of course you have really cool parents. But the defining factor for a lot of young adults is basically when they start dating, they don't want to bring their date home to mom and dad's house. <laughs> 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 it kind of kills the it kills yeah. the experience. Um, Well,
1: that's why in Japan, there's the whole industry of love hotels, (laughs) because (laughs) everyone lives with their parents, so you've got to have a place to go. So When you mention them to people in the West, people will think it's like this real dirty idea. I just started
2: laughing when you
1: said it. (laughs) they, They make perfect sense in Japan, because if I live with my parents and she lives with her parents... we all live in these tiny houses with paper walls let's go somewhere
0: else after i was married we had a few trips to tokyo i was like gee we could pay 80 bucks for a really boring business hotel or pay 80 bucks for a place with karaoke and bright colors
3: yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's hilarious oh well that if if you if you live in like a like a high-rise city that what about if you live in, like, the country area where it's more rural and people are more spread out? Yeah, is it the same right. thing? I
1: think maybe even more so because in the country you live in big family houses. So right. you have two, three, multiple, multiple generations all living in a big farmhouse. So mm. you still, yeah, you feel like you're always around your family, which, like you say, is great
0: a lot of the time. Well, you need to get away sometimes. Yeah.
3: Um, <laughs> this is be a balance.
0: <laughs> but yeah, way out of the middle of nowhere, you'll find a cluster of like four of these places. You know, one's like Hawaiian theme. One is like Hello Kitty themed, you know. <laughs> it's like, and then you, you, you go, it's like it shows like, you know, like you can choose the room. It's got little pictures. It's like what kind, what kind of interesting. A lot of
1: them now you buy your ticket, everything through a little vending machine. So no one has to see your shame.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you know that was a kind of that's kind of like a weekend, a weekend um, romantic escape with your, yeah, yeah, your yeah. new with well, your right. um.
1: Every parking space has a little. The one I went to most last. Every parking space has a little thing you could put over your um, license plate, so that if anyone drives past, they won't know you're at the Love Hotel. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, is it really shameful? Because I'm it's looking tough, at it like like many, it's a like weekend escape. But a theme still, we can you escape
1: want. you don't want to talk about it right you don't want to go to work the next day and they're like well i saw you were at the uh <laughs> at the shag palace at the weekend
3: <laughs> oh, because everybody doesn't live, they don't because i live with the parents i get it i get yeah, it yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i had to switch my hat a little bit to understand yeah. it i it's like, get it it's
1: like buying condoms right everyone needs it's not there's nothing wrong with it you still don't want you know your colleagues to walk past while you're doing
0: it <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah once uh, once uh, um, my daughter was born I was like oh we just got to go to the business hotel <laughs> they don't have karaoke
3: <laughs> well yeah because you need some fun you need some activities that you know yeah in yeah. between your private time
0: yeah but you, you can't really roll in there with the whole family <laughs> that's an extra kind of weird
3: <laughs> that's a family vacation trip <laughs> yeah, yeah. just oh, you, two
1: you are, you are from the deep south Matt. probably is a family vacation trip where you're
0: from <laughs> <laughs> hey come on Queenus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah at least I'm from the city part <laughs>
2: yeah
3: You know what, that's really what's funny that I mean, because we, we're, we're talking about dating too, is what I also found funny about, um, about this movie is that soul groups they recognize each other, you know, regardless. I mean, so, I mean, so in terms of this family, you know, Annie and Chris decided to reincarnate and then start it all over again, um, their, their love affair with one another. But without the kids the second time around. But the kids, they you know, when Robin Williams went to the afterlife and he was going through his tour, both kids well, I noticed this theme. Um and it really resembles what a lot of people, um, especially in Western society and I think most of the world deal with is this feeling of not feeling like they're good enough for their parents and good enough for society or good enough for anybody just Mm -hmm. that's not good enough period then it's not worthy and so i noticed that in the movie that was a continuing theme that um when chris robin williams met both kids like marie his daughter eventually came out that she didn't felt pretty enough and that's why she she had picked up the persona of this Asian stewardess, um, that her dad said was really pretty at one moment in their life. And so that was the, the theme of, of her feeling like she wasn't pretty enough, um, as his daughter. And then, um, but once he recognized, he recognized her regardless of what she looked like. And so they rec- they had the moment of, of, of recognizing. And then for his son, Ian, he had gone through the whole movie being um, Cuba Gooding Jr. And it came out the very end that he just did not feel smart enough for his dad. That's why he didn't you know, pass school or do so well in school. And that was the argument while he was alive. And so in the afterlife, he carried that on, not feeling like he was smart enough for his dad or not you know, academic enough for his father. Um, and that was a misconception that both the kids had about the parents um, that this get carried on into the afterlife. And then when Robin Williams recognized that, his character recognized that, he recognized it was his son. And so I noticed that theme was a common theme. They found a really creative way to portray it. But it's a common theme that many people suffer with that goes into the mental health issue as well, is that many people have mental health issues. One of the themes that continue to come up in their life is that they just don't feel like they're worthy of meeting up to the expectations of their parents their spouse the society whatever they're just not good enough um but at the very end when they go into the afterlife they realize that they've always been good enough they've always been worthy and there's nothing that they could do wrong because it's all just an experience that they're learning and growing from so that's I would, what i i found was interesting
0: i would think with the family hanging out in the end i mean there's not technically a family dynamic anymore they're basically on a they should technically yeah, just be on an even just keel for, yeah, it's just for yeah. beings at that point. So. <laughs> well, then, yeah, you
1: said like, it's a thing in the Western world, but Japan has one of the worst suicide rates in the developed world.
3: And I'm, yeah. I,
1: I'm 100% convinced a big part of it is because there's this huge push for kids who are way too young to get good grades. Like, I have students who are like 10 or younger telling me they study for like five hours at the weekend. I have never studied for five hours in my entire life.
0: (laughs) I don't plan to. No, my daughter's studying nothing, and my wife hey, you can probably show out a little bit on this. (laughs) But she she starts to like stress out a little bit. She's like not studying it seems. But yeah, I mean, she's
1: not getting it from you, but I'm sure she's still getting it from her peers, from from her teachers. Yes, yes. It's like it's a whole societal thing, but there are definitely there are parents who push it as well.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I def- I mean I know. I'm Asian. I get it. It's the whole like you got to be like smart and, you know, you, you, everything everything everything. And um and, and it is it is rampant in um Asian culture all over the world. Even as an Asian American, it is rampant. Get good grades, get to, you know, get to get to college. Everybody everybody be a doctor. <laughs> you know that whole that whole stereotype. But the prob- the the problem is um is that then you end up living your life playing out somebody else's um you know template of what they want for themselves that they couldn't get so they just push it onto the kids and so you never really created your own life, you never really created your own vision, your own goal, your own image of yourself or what you were gonna be, your own um image of what kind of marriage relationships, friendships you were gonna have because you just adopted. The programming of your parents and your culture and so when you don't live up to somebody else's predictive programming you become depressed and you start you know taking yourself out uh depression is a very common thing or feeling like you're not good enough and that's a common thing that a lot of people not just asian cultures um, experience but i think Other cultures and people in other cultures experience it as well in different ways. They just show it a little bit differently. But in Western culture in the United States, there's a lot of people who just feel like they're just not meeting up expectations of their parents and letting the parents down. Uh, They're the, the black sheep of the family or the loser or whatever, whatever these labels are. And all it is, is basically picking up somebody else's programming, Um. Most people are walking around living out their own programming that they created for themselves.
0: Oh yeah, I mean it's so much. I mean, you know, well, nature versus nurture, right? You you end uh-huh. up becoming one of your parents or both of your parents to a certain extent. Um, let's see, what 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 are some bad habits I picked up? I got my swearing from my mom. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think my kids get this throwing from me too.
1: <laughs> like all of my friends say, the first time they met my mom, she said the c word.
3: <laughs> I didn't even learn the c word until a couple of years ago.
2: <laughs> I'm pretty sure it had,
1: it had come out of my mouth before I'd started elementary
2: school. It's his first word. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah. I don't, like there's all these acronyms i don't even know these street slang acronyms i always ask my husband i'm like what does a karen mean everybody says karen <laughs> on these posts and I'm like what is a karen and he's like oh okay you know and like and so when these these pop culture um slangs and 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 words come up i'm like what does this mean i don't understand what that means i keep seeing uh it being popped up and um and so he my husband educates me on on street slang all the time (laughs) because i'm like oh okay now i know what let's go brandon means okay
0: yeah (laughs) i'm following a bit behind living in japan on some of the uh the the more up-to-date yeah i guess (laughs) which yeah
3: people are like what is the what is up with americans and making up their own words
0: (laughs) i just remember words are made up I just remember being in high school and about the time, well, probably like a year or two before me, but yeah, just someone coming in and in mid '90s, and that's fat, huh? That's just the time I remember <laughs> hearing like a slang I did de- for the first yeah. time. I was like, what? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't even think
0: that been... one ever took on. I mean, it took never took it's off. Took college. on a bit in like surfer culture. Yeah, I remember it being a thing. In the People UK for like there. three weeks, maybe. You spell
1: it with a ph, though.
0: Right, right. Well, I didn't, yeah, the pigs. I didn't understand that when I heard it because it was being spoken at the time. So, <laughs> well,
1: amazingly, we're this far into it. Well, Robin Williams podcast, and we barely talked about it. Yeah,
0: I said we were like trying <laughs> the bit to get to him, but um, <laughs> <laughs> we haven't done there. What we're talking about you- all the other
3: characters? And we're getting to him. We're talking about the other characters. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, I want to talk about the shrink because the shrink is very piv- pivotal as well um, because he he basically said, and, like, the scene where he was talking to Robin Williams, um, and they were talking to each other, kind of having a kind of a bromide mo- moment. And he said that this is the thing that I actually wrote down. He said, Teach your parent, these labels preve- prevent us from seeing who we truly are to each other. So I was like, oh, that's very good because... um. Because it basically just breaks down that all these labels, all these avatars that we put ourselves in, lifetime after lifetime experience, have experienced, and even in the spirit world, because you can travel in the, in the speed of thought and change your persona and the scene in, you, in the speed of thought. These are all just, we're just flipping through kind of like inserts in a, in a play or in a, book, a children's book. But what is really real is the energy. And it, that, that's really all we are to each other. It's just energy playing out just different things for her own experience so there is no level of higher lower teacher parent you know black white everything else these are all just aspects of a story for the play that we're playing in and i really i like that part
1: i liked the message I didn't like that the film tried to play it as a twist three separate times. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they really needed a Buddhist correspondence when they were writing some of this, just to kind of <laughs> tie some first, of the loose ends. The first end.
1: time with the daughter, I was like, oh, that was great. And, like, she really sold it. Um, Michelle, is it Michelle Yeo? Oh, no, no. Michelle yeah, think,
0: Chow. Yeah, yeah, Rosalind Chow.
1: Rosalind Chow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, both, both Star Trek actors. Also, they both were in Shang Chi as well.
2: Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um,
1: the way her like voice breaks right as she starts to give give it away and stuff—that was really well played. So I thought that scene was great. And mm-hmm. then it does it again with the sun, and I was like, oh, "Okay, well, you mean you've already done this once?" And then they do it again <laughs> with. <laughs> The other guy, and I was like, "Okay, like it's not a twist anymore." One is anyone it's predictive. It's studio?
3: predictive. That's why there's not much of a plot because it's so predictive. You know,
1: <laughs> I thought it was going to turn around at the end, and actually, Robin Williams was Annie, and the other, the actress was
2: <laughs>
0: <Christy>. <laughs> cool. uh, One thing. Oh, there goes your mic. Yeah. Um, one thing I kind you know I didn't see the movie for a twenty year period almost, and in that time, I, I guess because um, oh, what not Annie the daughter's name. I think not her a fake name. Marie, <laughs> <laughs> Marie, 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 Marie. Somewhere I'd actually thought, like, you know, I guess because she was kind of tomboyish, I kind of got it in my mind that he had two sons in this movie and one of them had just, like, actually change gender roles but afterlife. see yeah and now i'm like but that's, of, i'm disappointed that's not what happened yeah
3: <laughs> well, that's why she had that complex and not feeling that she was pretty enough of the, mm-hmm. of a daughter for you know for him and, and throughout the whole movie she ended up playing the, the asian stewardess to as a decoy to be pretty enough for her dad in the afterlife because she is kind of a tomboy but we all know tomboys turn out to be to be butterflies when they get older anyways yeah and poor Rosalind Chow
0: had to do this movie because they just weren't giving her any roles in Deep Space Nine. <laughs> if you've yeah. ever seen it, there's like always an excuse why Keiko is not there this week.
3: <laughs> she's like eternally pregnant or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like there's just the Wheel of Fortune as to why she's not there that particular week. But um, well, It's because he wants to spend time with his real true love, which is Dr. Bashir. <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, let's see. Uh, Max von Sydow. we've talked about him before. He's he's always he's great I mean he's just doing standard Max von Sydow stuff but he's great so yeah, that's it fine you want him yeah. to do that so I, I you know and that's a fun name to say he's
1: also he's playing not even remotely a villain in this
0: yeah yeah he's, a, pretty he's rare. a helper well no one's a,
1: <laughs> yeah no one's a villain in this afterlife which True, is the villain is just the what you create for yourself it's, right uh...
3: yeah yeah, you know, the afterlife was very interesting, um, because there was a lot of, you know, kind of images like the standard kind of Judeo Christian image of of hell. And um like but at the very end you see that it's only self-created delusion and despair and self-deprecation. And as soon as somebody no longer wants to experience that, they right. in the speed of thought pop into a new experience. So everybody in this concept of hell can pop into a new experience if they no longer want to experience it. But then we go into the whole concept of mental health, mm-hmm. okay? And even mental health is, you know, will take you into the afterlife, into this experience. And the thing that, that about the afterlife and the scenes of the afterlife with the hell um, Im- images is that, you know, ghosts, they replay to themselves, OK, that, like in Buddhism is like, oh, you're just a ghost. You just you just replay the same thing over and over again, like a like a record. You replay the same life, the same the same blames, the same, you know, that's what a ghost is. A ghost is just a walking recorder that's just looping it over and over and over again because they just can't get over it or can't get past it. Because, like I said, hell is the absence of joy. And um, so. That's, that's what is going on with all those characters in hell, especially when they're walking over them to try to get around to to go and find where Annie has put her little um, version of hell in place is that they were all basically like when he stopped, when Robin Williams stopped with this one guy who, who thought he thought was his father or he thought, he, he thought that Robin Williams was his son and they, and they were like, Oh, I don't, I don't know you and, and so <laughs> forth. He, you know, that character was just saying, oh, are you my son? Are you going to come and get me? Or, you know, uh, he he was in his own little version of self-blame, self-punishment, never forgiving himself, never learning from his lessons and moving forward to take the next step to try to make amends for what he did. So and learn and grow from it. But he just kind of got stuck in that. You just get stuck. That's the whole thing about what all those little faces in the ground. They all are stuck stuck in their own depression and their own pits of depression and they're so stuck in that energy they can't get out of it and um and they just replay over and over again so when he's stepping over but they're like oh my mom, oh my son they're just re going over and over again the same things that they blame themselves over and over again they're doing this for eternity so, I really like how they portrayed that aspect of hell because there's really metaphysical to kind of the concepts of what hell really is, which is basically a replay of depression. <laughs>
0: So, uh, I guess we'll take it Dante style and start at the bottom. What does your hell look like? Um, Luke, I think you were going through doom. Well, see, yeah, I'm I'm so used to the Christian image of hell, which is just fire,
1: demons, violence, pain, which ultimately is just... It makes sense to us when we're alive, but that's all transient things. Mm. Like, an eternity of pain... How long do you still care? Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. That's why you often, anytime, like a comedy does a scene in hell, and it's just like everyone's really bored of it. <laughs>
3: like, yeah. If are bored because, of torturing
1: you, you're bored of getting tortured. <laughs> because
3: the only, because the, oh, and, and the, the, the thing this movie made a really good point when you look at all these different characters in quote unquote hell is that the thing that's keeping them in hell is not the fire and the brimstone yeah. and, you know, the sucky environment. It's the replay of their regrets in life mm. and their despairs and their self blame in life. Because that, that over version, and over and over again.
1: That Christian version of hell makes sense if you think of it as this was created to keep peasants in line. Mm. <laughs> yeah,
2: I think.
1: But I think- it doesn't come from any philosophical place or any meaningful place. It comes from oh well, you know, if you steal from the from the king, you're going to suffer on fire forever. So don't do it.
3: Yeah. <laughs> like- yeah. Yeah, I mean, even Robin Williams said uh, um, in one of the hell scenes when he was talking to Annie, his wife, he said, good people end up in hell because they can't forgive themselves. Mm. And literally every single person that he stepped around their head to get to Annie's place couldn't forgive themselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's stuck uh, up to their face in the, the samsara right? Uh uh-huh.
3: <laughs> And to the samsara, yeah. I, I but think the minute... I-
0: I was just going to throw out, I think I've said on the podcast before, I I, I defer to the Bill and Ted hell. <laughs> <laughs> That's Bill question. and Ted yeah. hell, is the hell but- I want to go for the coolest one, okay. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I mean, it, it really makes me really, you know, when you start getting really metaphysical and you get start getting a better understanding of, I don't know, better or worse, it's just the perception, a, a more understanding of consciousness, then what is hell to you? I mean, what is hell to you, guys?
0: Yeah, I, I would go with the, the idea of no hope because if you got a little bit of hope, if you think today might be better and or tomorrow might be a little better than today, it's hard to get stuck in hell. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yes. Just being yeah, being stuck.
1: Like the, the the worst I've ever felt was when I was just dull job, dull life, nothing going on. So that's my hell. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's closer
1: to this one than the fire and brimstone. Right. Because that um I remember there's can't believe I'm gonna throw positive thoughts towards in Spider Man when he sold his marriage to the devil
3: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh-huh.
1: Um the the line was that the devil used to buy souls and torture them for eternity, but because they knew they were being tortured because they'd achieved something, it didn't work. So just just being, you know, oh it, it hurts forever, but I'm enduring this because I'm a good man or whatever. That's not that bad compared to losing something, losing your hope, your love, these positive things.
3: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I don't know what, you know, I mean, there's a Buddhist understanding of hell. It's just basically the, just kind of like, reincarnating over and over again, making, (laughs) making, Undoing your mistakes with the same mistakes with the same characters over and over and over and over again, just never learning from. And so you just reincarnate over and over again, trying to undo mistakes and learn from them, and and then we we continuing to make the same mistakes with the same people. That's just like a it's a it's like the 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 the, the mice going over and over again and just not getting anywhere. That's like a, the concept of the Buddhist hell. Uh, it's just never learning and just spinning your wheels. Some people feel like feel like that when they go to the life. And they're like, "Why does this feel so familiar? Why does this feel so familiar? Why does it feel like I've made this mistake a thousand times and I still never learned my lesson? And I'm still crying about the same thing over and over and over again." That's the concept of hell, and and, and technically in Buddhism, um, or you know, in this in this movie, doing the same, running the, through the same images over and over again, um, uh, in the afterlife and never, you know, getting out of it, getting stuck in that emotion. But for me. I don't really know what like the concept of hell would be because um, I don't know what life is like without uh, joy, hope um, you know, kind of like duality, the opposite of anything negative, all those positive emotions I don't know what life is l- like without that um, and also uh, you know I know and have a connection to whatever you want to call it Christ consciousness, God, universe, whatever you want to call it. It's that spirit inside you that's always inside you. So if you want to go to quote, quote, hell with that spirit, you can go do that. But recognizing, understanding that that's always going to be with you wh- in whatever experience you go to, it's almost like you always have a compass back home. You just have to choose to acknowledge it at some point. So I honestly, for myself, don't know what concept of hell would be like i
0: guess you wouldn't want to dwell on it too much as as this movie if you do get mired in your own hell or someone else's yeah. hell, you're likely to get stuck there mm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um make it, making it lighter i guess now we're going to create our own heavens um yeah um now it's what dreams may come i watching it the past few times i've been like well this afterlife and the and the dream realm, I guess, are pretty much similar. So it's almost like, well, I've been to a dream space multiple times. It's, it's almost like a horse park or something. I'm not into horses or anything, but it's just it's a All right. manicured lawn. It's got some picnic tables. There's, a, you know, some relatively nice buildings around. And I've been to that dream place multiple times. And, and to me, I'm like, man, I, I feel that's not what I would sit here and tell you would be my heaven. But maybe it is. <laughs>
3: And that's even harder that's even harder like when you ask people what is your version like when you really fully understand hell what is your version of hell people are like oh i'm not gonna stump about that but it's easier to go negative than it is to go positive because <laughs> then you're be asking what is your version of heaven and you see the kids basically their version of heaven was kind of you know aspects in their in their life that they had put into fantasy world i don't know
1: i don't think i have a version of heaven because there's no one thing i want to be in forever
3: right
0: Right. Um, like, well, I should mention my dream space is kind of like a, you know, it's kind of like a home base, right? Yeah. yeah, as, yeah. as the dream or the afterlife spaces are in this movie, you can go somewhere else. Right. Just, yeah. 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 You're going to have your home base. <laughs> but, yeah, you know,
1: yeah. You know, beyond <laughs> is the heaven. Is mm. I feel like what we're seeing in this film is not eternity. This is like the first step. Because, like, he says, mm-hmm. oh, you've made yourself a body. But I assume they get beyond that.
0: Well, no, it's, uh, and then you just you're just a consciousness, and you go free. Right? His son, under the guise of Albert, is like I, I, I've been I was at the higher levels for a while. You yeah. know. he just so. came to pick up his dad, basically. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, like, honestly, I think it's harder to come up with your version of heaven than it is to come up with your version of hell. Oh yeah, because when you have unlimited creation ability, where do you start? Mm-hmm. And we usually create our lives and we create our versions of heaven, our version of paradise based on what we already know or what we've been exposed to. Everything we've created is based off of old templates that we've been exposed to. That's why it's really hard to come up with creative thought and creative vision. Well, that's, that's why, why I, like, yeah. That's the
1: thing. If you give someone, you know, here's a sheet of paper, draw whatever you want, or you give, you know, George Lucas an unlimited budget, then what do you do with that? But if you give someone limitations, and try and take this idea and do something. That's when your creative juices get going. It's solving problems is much easier than, well, I can do anything, (laughs) what do I do?
3: Yeah, because these, you have with the problems, you have have some kind of framework that you know there's some limitations, there's some things to work around, so you can start creating around it. But if it's a completely blank, you're like, "I I I don't know where to start. And so, because all we do is we mirror back to each other images and ideas, and then we work off of those templates. That's all we ever do. Everything you ever create in your life, that's how you create it yourself. That's how you create your home. That's how you created the type of relationships you have, the family, the, everything. Everything has been picked up templates from things that you've been exposed to in your family, your friends, TV, society. You just pick up different things that you like. But were they really your own creation? that's the that's the that's the kicker
0: what almost seems obvious once you hear it but i I just recently someone was telling me the idea of you know just like dream interpreting your life like Mm -hmm. when i'm talking to you right now i kind of think of it like i try to interpret the same way i would if i were talking to people in a dream you know i mean you know within reason obviously you could um use that in a way where you are going nuts so do it responsibly i guess but
3: (laughs) yeah that's why the buddhists always tell you just experience you're here for the experience Mm-hmm. you know because you can just run yourself racket trying to like overanalyze and analyze and all that kind of stuff just, just go for the experience and do your best to just have a good experience um, that's why samsara is just a journey it's just a journey it's just an experience but, you know, the thing, the thing that I found at the very end is they made it to the heaven. They got their family together. They had this beautiful, creative world of their heaven. And what does people in heaven want to do? They want to reincarnate and have another love story. Mm-hmm. And so falling in love again in life is their version of heaven. Isn't that funny?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, people focus so much on, like, what's beyond, when, when, and that's very interesting. That's all well and good, but it's uh, probably worth focusing on what you're doing at the moment.
2: Well, like mm-hmm. I said,
0: a, a film about
1: the afterlife has to have a message that is, made the most of this one. Right. If the message is, ah, it doesn't matter because heaven's nice, <laughs> like, that's kind of a dangerous thing. Yeah, yeah. Thing. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> exactly. It, but, but if you, because if you, in the Western world, this is my interpretation, People look at life and they look forward to the afterlife, but they don't look forward to after the afterlife if they decide to reincarnate because you're going to reincarnate into some kind of physical experience, even if it's going to be a trillion infinite years. At some point in your existence, you're going to reincarnate into something, maybe not Earth, maybe not in this dimension, maybe another dimension, another galaxy, another universe, another species, whatever. There's just so many things to create um, in, in the ethers. But the thing is, is that um, in Buddhism, that's why that's why you always see like uh, the images of the infinity circle, and then you have the images of samsara, where you're born, you grow old, you go through the afterlife, then you come back and you reincarnate, do another experience. This, and, if, and the, the whole point of that is the things that you do in your life will influence how you plan your afterlife, will influence how you reincarnate in your next experience in samsara, will influence what you want to do next in your afterlife, which will influence your next incarnation. We're just working off of, we're jumping off of one template to another template and picking up the, the parts that we, we really like from the last experience. So, in the movie, in the very end, you have... Annie and Chris decided to get born again and meet each other, but this time they're kids at a at a at a lake park and then their boats hit each other instead of the last life where they were literally in the big boats and they, you know, crashed into each other on accident. But there was a smaller version. So they picked the the, the way the meat cute mm-hmm. that they met on the last life and they liked that so much that they replayed. That's how they're going to meet cute again in the second life, but in a smaller version. So we, a lot of times we pick the things that we really like and we replay it again. We'll do like part again, because that was fun, but then we'll add some other elements into the next experience that we want to experience again. So um, there's, there's a whole thing in Buddhism about pre-planning your life and the experiences you want to go through. It's kind of like um, when you want to go on vacation, you meet with a travel agent to see what kind of excursions you're going to have. Maybe you're going to have some lessons. Um, maybe you're going to meet some characters. Also, you might do a little bit growing spiritually in your, in your soul growth. You're going to have some challenges because if it's too easy, you're going to get bored. And it's not be real enough. You know, all that kind of stuff. So um, you pre-plan that and then you go into it. But there's a whole gap time before you incarnate into your next life so a lot of buddhists what they do is they think about the things that they're doing in this life to see if oh am i doing the best that i and am i having the most positive and the most experience and getting the most out of this samsara experience so that when i go into my next life i have some information and be like oh you know i really really like that experience i want to do this experience maybe next time i decide to go again but do it a little bit different so um so that's what we're constantly doing is just just doing this infinity circle with our souls over and over again after life in life after life in life <laughs> so that's the difference between the eastern mindset of afterlife and the western mindset is that there's no infinity
0: <laughs> yeah i don't know one and done seems like a weird concept so to me <laughs> as far as a life is concerned and yeah it's like i i don't do you really want to play the role you're playing right now forever? No, <laughs> it's fun for now.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. That's why the Kasha records um, in the the movie where you have the library where the shrink works. He likes to work in the in the library because mm. all those different books are everybody's lives, and. Um, And he's just kind of like, oh, this would be interesting to kind of go into hell with Annie because most people aren't able to get out of that. So if I can witness how somebody does that, then I can be like, hmm, a new experience to add into the Akashic Records that nobody has been able to overcome. This will open up creation to something different. So he wanted to witness that and be part of that and see how they did that.
1: I think this is a quote from Game of Thrones, but it was... The person who never reads only lives one
0: life, but the reader lives mm-hmm. a thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't get it when I talk to someone. They're like, I don't read. I'm like, what does that even mean?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, even if you don't read, you watch movies. Watching movies is just getting information.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you got that. But yeah, I don't know. I, I guess there's the... um, Like, when we have... You know, in Japan, you will ask kids, like, or adults, too, what is your hobby? And some of them are, like, watching movies. And it's like, that's not really... It's too passive. That's not a hobby, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like reading. I'm like, well, that's now a little active, right? So I'll take that as an acceptable answer. I mean, if it's a real quiet student and just give me an answer, I won't argue it at all. But yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um... you know, no, if you really want to experience another life, it's video games, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I do bring yeah. you actually, um, the imagery in this film of the where well, he's in the painting, that looks yeah. so good. That's such amazing. I don't even want to know how they did it because it just looks incredible. Um, But Mm -hmm. quite a while after this film, uh, 2011, Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword, um, the whole game is made to look like a Monet painting. And so stuff that's close to you, is you can kind of see it, and then further away, it's just vague brushstrokes. Um, And the reason I think that's relevant, not only because it's a similar art style, Robin Williams was famously a huge Zelda fan. Like, he literally Mm -hmm. named his daughter Zelda after the Legend of Zelda games. And the pair, of them, the pair of them did adverts together in, like, 2012. Uh, and that was the last Zelda game released before he died.
2: So mm. I like hope
0: that he played it and enjoyed that up all over yeah. again. Hopefully he made the connection. Yeah. I would imagine he might have. Been, I mean, you might. For, I, I do love hearing when there's stars or musicians. I don't even remember making that movie. I don't remember making that album. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Williams probably could have said that for things in the early 80s. But yeah, he <laughs> probably remembered making this one. yeah.
3: Um, well see, that's the great part about um that's the great part about life is like you might surprise yourself like I never thought ever in a million years that I would be doing XYZ. That that's never crossed my mind, but I guess I'm doing it and it's actually kind of cool. So allow yourself to be surprised.
0: Yeah, I certainly never planned out what I'm doing. So at all. <laughs> <Planned anything> <laughs> <long>. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: didn't
0: even plan my vacation in university. We just got to a- Take it to Lisbon and saw where it went. I just saved up all my money and flew to Tokyo. And I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't necessarily need the travel agent, but uh, sometimes <laughs> it's good. It, it, it is a little more comfortable that way sometimes. But um, mm-hmm. comfortable. Yeah, I guess speaking of students, we need to go. S- teach some students soon yeah, i gotta uh, go have a shower because i'm fresh out of the gym so <laughs> uh, and Ron, i did i read your most recent book is that still the newest one because last time i talked to you is when i learned about the, the most recent one unless there's a more recent one.
3: um the <laughs> most recent one is buddhist mandalas christ consciousness of a multi-dimensional mark that's the one with Tara with the three heads
0: right okay is that that's the one that's the one i just finished recently so <laughs> okay
3: what did you th- what did you think about it
0: um, I, I enjoyed it, and actually, my dad oh, listened good. to our last one with Kundun, and he was like, "Oh, I want to read the book." I was like, eh, "Maybe you should actually go to her first one." <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, you in the background, yeah, but you- he read the first one, and he just goes straight to the second one.
0: I sent him to the first one because um, he was just interested in what he what we were talking about with Buddhism last time, and he's read books on it before. But I mean, he's 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 a Episcopal dude. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. all the time. But you know, I, the, the one thing I'll give the Episcopal Church definitely is that they're relatively open minded. Like if they're going to be into you know organized religion, it's not the worst choice. They they've had gay priests, women priests for years. They don't really push anything too hard. I went to Catholic school. They are not open-minded. no nah, they're less open-minded. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, you know, I, like you know, the thing, the thing is, is that everybody's in different level of consciousness in their understanding of everything, and that is totally fine because that is the template in which they're creating from. You know, so um, and and you know, if everybody was in the same level. At the same time, there wouldn't be a lot of dichotomy, a lot of contrast. And then the contrast is what creates uniqueness and creativity comes from the contrast. So a lot of Buddhists understand it. They're like, you be whatever you want to be. You're good. You're good. You do whatever you want to be because you're providing me contrast so that I can create the best that I want to experience because of you.
0: And and I do make sure to ask the authors, uh, where is the best place to go for this? (laughs)
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Yeah, so I only, so my website is Merkaba Chakras, M-A-R-K-A-B-A, Chakras, like your seven com. All my books will be there. Um, I have one more book, the third installment of Buddha, Buddhist mandalas, but I'm actually going to hold off for a couple years because um there is not a Buddhism book on consciousness that I'm aware of that actually goes over humanity's life lessons regarding a pandemic and pandemics in history change humanity's trajectory. Um, And I really want to include humanity's current huge life lesson with the COVID-19 pandemic and how we get out of it, how we find compassion, how we find empathy, how we find forgiveness and how we find unity in each other to help each other through hard times. And there is not like Tara um, and a lot of other Buddhist um, teachers speak about pandemics um, in history. That's where they get a lot of the compassion. But I haven't seen one put put in recent times. So I want to wait and, in, and observe humanity. And then I want to close out the Buddhist mandalas tril- trilogy series with that last book to kind of close out basically uh, the holographic reality in which we create and love through. So we can um, stick
0: with the second one for now,
3: then. <laughs> stick with the second one. Yeah, okay. Stick of the second one for now. Think of the second one for now. Um, yeah, it, it it will be interesting, and then hopefully we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. I have a couple other books. I want to get back to my Buddhism, my Buddhism, archaeology folklore book, where I follow Buddha's folklore of Lemuria, and then go through all the different um, Polynesian islands and just get copyright free images of all of their pyramids and megaliths on the top of their mountains which substantiate 100 percent the buddhist folklore of the ancient lemurian spiritual culture
0: yeah i do want to i do want to try the the diving into yonaguni at some point i mean oh my goodness ask, that's a good
3: one <laughs> I mean, yeah you're right there in japan our
0: company took us on a trip but we are two islands over also a very cool Ooh. island but not not that was Miyakojima, and I, you have to, there's Ishigaki, and then it's not, Yonaguni's not the name of the island, I think, but I guess I could. Yonaguni
3: for... is really remote. Yeah, You have yeah, to yeah. kind of like, yeah. You're almost
0: in Taiwan by the time you're there.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's not as close as, they, as they're seeing Yonaguni. It's really, really remote. It's quite a trek. It's not very touristy for the most part. You're really just going to go and see the under, underwater pyramid. It's not like a pyramid's like looking pyramid but it's a pyramid it's a megalithic structure underneath there um and it falls right in like that right in line um with the buddhist folklores of the 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 ancient lamerian people
0: and i just did you know we do have a keystone tomb not so far away yeah okay i didn't know till my daughter
1: had like a school trip there like what What i didn't know till i was at a museum and it said go this way to see the tomb on top of the hill and i was
3: like uh, sure <laughs> it's always on top of a hill you guys it's always on top of the hill that was where all the the people that we um that survived the mega flood went to was the top of the hills and that's why they always put the pyramids and the megaliths at the top of the hill so everybody can see it so wow. anyways <laughs> but that's where you can go for all the materials dot com. uh
1: luke you want to do our thing If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can find it on Twitter at MLSFS Pod, or also on Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, just search Matt and Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. If you want to hear the music you heard in this podcast, you can hear more of Matt's music by going to roamingstagemedia.mancamp.com And if you want to help keep the podcast online, you can support us by going to patreon.com Pubpastius. Yeah, that
0: one. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway thank you again for joining us. I, I like getting into these metaphysical movies. So you know, we spend a lot of time in the the isn't that cool sci-fi. But it's you know nice to get into the different areas. I mean, is this one even a sci-fi? Not not quite. Nah, nah it's, it, it looks fantasy, like a sci-fi. So, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, thanks for joining us. But now you and the listeners at home can all go to hell. <laughs>
3: <laughs> or, or think of a heaven. Or think of what <laughs> <it's>
0: you. <laughs> That's easier to think of the hell,
3: isn't it? Hell is <laughs> easier to come up with than heaven.
0: soon, Spider-Man, The Dragon's Challenge, Twilight Zone, The Movie, The Matrix, Reloaded,